your girl, T-Strong, a.k.a. that chick, filling in for Danielle, who's on vacay this week. But lucky for you, you just tuned in to the hottest thing to hit urban talk radio. That's right, Pixie Dog, Life of a Go-Getter, where you get the female perspective on men, money, sex, power, and everything in between. And we're giving it to you straight, no chaser. As always, the rest of the CBCs are in the building. Shout it out, ladies, what it is. What up, y'all? It's so weird having to go after T-Strong. This is your girl, Shannon G, in the house, as usual. And as always, keeping my money true, my assets tight, and the two PDs on the phone tonight, keeping them right. <laughs> no, no, it's your girl, Atia. Hello, ladies. Hi, honey. Hello. Yeah, that did seem really weird. I'm just doing a little intro all like, yeah, this is T-Strong, and I wanted to say some other stuff, but... I'm trying to fill in as best possible for our uh, PD creator for the night who is chilling in sunny Miami this weekend. We miss you, Danielle. Yes, we do tremendously. Bring back some sun, please. Please bring back some sun. Goodness. And take away the ice and the rain. Yeah, I was in Georgia for two days, and it was so beautiful there. It was probably like 68, 70 I had on pants and, like, a button-down shirt rolled up at the sleeves, chilling. Come back, flight is delayed last night, snow, sleet. I was just not happy and cold. And then, you know, God forbid, but hopefully it won't happen, you'll mess around and be sick from being, you know, in the nice weather and then going to that cold, nasty weather. Yeah, please, yeah, God forbid, please, because I'm so not in the mood to be sick. Yeah. I actually had the flu myself last week when we were on the phone and um, doing our thing, and I was just, like, really coughing all over the place and drinking tea and trying to get myself back together because it was the worst. I mean, I don't. I was trying not to claim the flu, so I just keep saying it was flu-like symptoms because right. it was the wackest. <laughs> yeah. It's it's everybody's worst. going around with something, so you got to be yeah, careful. So, so knock on wood. Use lots of hand yeah. sanitizer, people. That's right. Well, actually, hand sanitizer. Oh, no. No, let me tell you. (laughs) Hand sanitizer does not always, um, it is like an antibacterial type thing, but it is not proven to fight off the bacteria that causes colds and the flu. You have to use like a lot of it, a lot of it, a lot of it. So people don't think that by using that you're going to be fine. It is not replace washing your hands. Because it's just, you know, there's no water involved. And I don't know if you guys know the whole fact, but it's not really the soap. Soap actually helps to soften the water, and that's what kind of, like, you know, cleans the skin. Right. But, um, you know, and there's no, that's not, it's not a part of the antibacterial hand sanitizer, if you will. So use that if you can't wash your hands, but if not, if you can wash your hands, you're by a restroom, wash your hands as often as possible. So your hands, you're basically saying, are just as skeevy before you use the hand sanitizer as after. Well, I mean, it helps. It's kind of like <laughs> oh, if you're, if you're, go ahead, Athea. I was gonna say tea, but you, you've now smeared the skeevy. Okay, so you exactly. brought it from the front to the back. <laughs> so now I have skeer skeevy all over my hands. All hand. over, Excuse right? And, and with an alcohol twist. Okay, don't play. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's helpful. Right. It you're around think like that six is really kids. Dying. 
Because it's right. strong. It's like right. after dropping a bomb in the bathroom and then you spray it with rose potpourri. Um, exactly. Aerosol, aerosol. So it's floral poop. Right. <laughs> floral poop smell. It's just, yeah, it's sweet, sweet poop. But it's exactly. the only way to get rid of the poop smell is just for time and to clean your bathroom. Or Febreze. Febreze actually captures the poop smell and molecules. And throws it away. Exactly. Life charges <laughs> it into the thin air. I think that's what it does. That's kind of like what the commercial says. That's what the commercial says. Right. Yeah, don't well, think that it cleans your hands, people. Go wash your hands. Go wash your hands. Fun facts from Shannon G. Not only yes. does she know about events, she also knows about hand sanitizer. Yes, I do. <laughs> and how to keep the TVs away. It's gone. Thank you. Ah, so this evening, ladies, we will be talking about the disparaging difference in health care among African Americans. And this is a topic that is really, have always been really interesting to me because um, just looking at our health care system and knowing people who were in the system, you know, for a short period of time, which is what how I believe it was created, you know, Medicaid and all that other, um, all those other pro- programs that help people who are of low income wasn't made for you to be on for your entire life. However, a lot of it doesn't cover certain things that, you know, everyone who has a child or just yourself would need, you know, and I just believe that there are so many different things that can be done to fix it. So, you know, why do you guys feel or do you feel even that, um, black people seem to receive a lesser quality of health care service than other races, mainly Caucasian. You know, I, I feel, and this is, of course, just from my experience growing up and my personal experiences, because there was a long time where I couldn't afford health care. I was self-employed, if you will. I was a freelancer and just didn't have health care. And the only way to get it was to go through, I actually went through, like, NYC School of Dental, or I would go to, like, the clinics, which you really aren't taken care of like you should be. Are those the but, places, Shannon, <clears throat> that, that they have the, the students and they kind of work on you? Yep. See, the N- NYU School of Dental, exactly, is, like, they have students who are in dental school. And you can go, and it's, like, you can still, you can get appointments, but you usually have to have your entire day because it's just you kind of, like, first come, first serve kind of thing. And they are using you as a way to learn how to do their dental work, you know, which is a little bit scary. I mean, because I've had, I had some complications that I'm still fixing because of a root canal that was done horribly by a student yeah. at NYU School of Dental. And I'm sorry to put you guys out there. It's not, I'm sure that's a great dental school. I, unfortunately, just was one of the unlucky ones. Did they make um, you sign off on something? Um. And I don't, you know, I, I wish I could give you that answer. Honestly, I really don't remember. Um, I, I know I had to sign something, but it's more so like you know that you're going in there at a lesser cost and having students, you know, so I'm sure that you had to sign something where you weren't going to hold them liable. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm and I'm sure it wasn't like, okay, if my teeth fall out, you could, of course, and sue them, but you're going in there knowing that you're not going to a top health care physician or a doctor, you know, it's just, you're just not. Um, and then on the other side, you know, outside of the dental world, I was a lot of times having to either switch doctors or go again to a, a healthcare clinic where you go and you look around and you see people who you can tell are just not living off of, of high salaries or salaries at all, can't afford any healthcare, 
And unfortunately, I experienced some, without putting things out there, some things that no human being should experience just in, you know, the way that a doctor is taking care of you. And that was just like, again, not, not knowing who you're going to, to speak with, not feeling comfortable about that. And I looked around, and unfortunately, at both of these places, I saw a lot of people who were of the African-American descent or, you know, another ethnicity, non-white. And I just felt like, goodness, you know, what's going on? But just from, from, from being raised, I don't know what it is. I don't know if you guys, like, tell me if you felt this way. It was definitely, as again, African-American being raised, it was definitely not pushed into my head as much that we have to go to the doctor, go to the dentist. You know, did we? Absolutely. But it wasn't like I was raised like, oh, we, we're going to get our annual checkups and we're going to get our annual, you know, teeth checkups and we're going to make sure that your teeth are like straight and get braces. Like I was well taken care of, but I don't, it, it wasn't something where to me it was kind of like a very important, a very important, important thing, like top thing. And it's just unfortunate. I don't know if it's just the salary because it's so expensive or, or what have you, but insurance is expensive. And I just don't know why it is in our community. And, again, tell me how you guys are raised and if you felt that way as well. For some reason, I feel like in our community, there are so many other things that we feel are more important. That's kind of like, while well, the icing on the cake, do you first think, like, okay, when I'm setting my budget with my very small, you know, salary annually, the first thing I'm thinking about is health care. Now, you're trying to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. You're trying to do this and that. And maybe in our community, the, the second or third thing we do is, girl, i got to buy me a car. i got to right. buy my new purse. You know, it's right. not like I'm going to push these material things to the side to be able to afford to go to the dentist or to, to the doctor. Now, I think well, that that's a very interesting point that you bring up. And one, because I don't think it's just, I mean, obviously, I won't say that it's just us. The show tonight is about. Um, the African-American community taking care of ourselves from a health perspective. However, I don't know how many people watched Oprah in the last couple of months or whatever, but she had this lady on, and she was Caucasian, who basically her husband was making all this money, and she was shopping and doing all this stuff. She had either five or six kids, I can't remember how many it was, and none of them had health care. No one had health care. She was spending all the money on, like, getting her hair done and, you know, just selfish acts of herself. So, you know, the fact that you brought that up and saying even people who make a lot of money and, you know, she had an opportunity to stay home from work and not have to work and was still spending the money on that because I believe people always think it can't happen to me or it won't happen to me or, you know, if I get – um, if I have something go wrong and I have to go to the hospital or whatever, you know, I'll just pay for it. But I don't know about you guys, but I've had medical bills in the past Ooh. and looked at them and never really even realized <laughs> how much it is just to walk into the emergency room. Right. Like as soon as you sign oh, your yeah. name, <laughs> that's a few hundred dollars right there. <clears throat> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and you haven't cool. gotten service one. So it's like, you know, really crazy for people to think, and I think that that's a lot of times what puts people in so much debt is that I think nine times out of ten, it's it's hospital bills or it's medical bills. I would agree because I pretty much, if we poll, um, you know, I don't know, any amount of African Americans, then I can say other races as well, and say how many people have had a collection that came from a hospital. I guarantee the percentages are going to be very high because that's probably one of the first debt collector collections that people experience because 
And that was my first in college. I got sick. What did I do? I went to the emergency room. Ching, ching, money, right. you know. Right. But there's two things that you guys um, said that sparked something in me. And one is, you know, my family descent being of a Caribbean background from South America and Guyana. I, and then I will also say thinking of Southern, you know, my friends that are mm-hmm. from the South or from America, and you have to think, I'm taking this way back to even the slave days, okay, when mm-hmm. we couldn't get health care. I mean, we couldn't, you know, basically, you know, it was the upper-class white people who basically, you know, Caucasians who had the exposure to doctor facilities. What did we have to do? We remedied the situation. Right. So if you think all the way back, we're from a mindset of remedies, okay, because what is medicine, first of all? Medicine is a practice, okay, and there are a lot of African-Americans that are from the mindset that they don't know any more than I do about my body, you know. Right. I can remember, like, I'm not a big medicine taker, and even raising my son when he was young, I waited until a certain extent, if his fever escalated to a certain level, then I would use medications to break his fever. Prior to that, I would basically wrap him up, and we had old remedies. I mean, it was certain different type of roots and stuff that I, don't get scared, but that I would, you know, (laughs) that basically I treated him with, and and it was like you sweat a fever out, because basically, like, you know, what I learned from young is that a fever is your body fighting an infection. So Mm -hmm. we're in such of a rush to break a fever, you're not allowing the body to correct what's going on, you know. But you have to be careful with children because if they get fever, they fit. So I think, number one, stemming back to why we're of the mindset is because of our culture in itself. You know, it wasn't something that we had accessible to us way back when. And as the years grown, it, we were used to suffering. Somebody got sick, guess what? You called what? That, um, what do you call them? The women? Midwives. Okay, midwives, you called right. the midwives or you called your grandmother. Grandma had the answer for everything, okay? Yes, she did. Grandma and now knew. Mama got the answer because exactly. I know I asked How to my mother. It. So I think there's, there's a deep-rooted tradition, you know, ongoing thing from back from, you know, how the origin of our race and what we've been through that might dictate some of that. But the next thing I wanted to point on is that, I mean, I found an article, and it was ABC News did it, basically. And it was from last year. It was, you know, two years ago. It was 2008 now, from 2006. And it was saying about blacks continuing to lose health care. But what I found interesting was basically they did a survey, okay? This is the Harvard and Brown, Harvard University and Brown University. They did a, surve- a, um, a survey of African Americans and Caucasians, and they had the same exact health plan. So it wasn't a matter of financial aspects of being able to afford it, okay? And who they used were patients that had diabetes, high blood pressure, had suffered heart attacks, you know, which leads to show kidney disease, heart attacks. So they've been exposed to this type of, this is like the track record, you know. They didn't find, like, just a healthy average 18-year-old. They found people who had certain circumstances, okay, and both Caucasian and both African-American. Same exact health insurance plan. So not the HMO versus the PPO. They had the mm-hmm. same exact health insurance plan, and it was the service that they were receiving. So right. that goes to say it's who it's coming from. So here goes Dr. X, okay, who's treating patient A who's Caucasian and patient B who's African American, same plan, same coverage. So when they submit, they're getting the same paycheck. They're getting paid and reimbursed for the same service, but they gave a little bit more to patient B, and basically they looked at the progress of these people's symptoms, and the Caucasians seem to have gotten better care. 
better advice. They got better services. Better service. That's crazy. So, like, in that vein, number one, I have a, I have a question for, for you, Athea, because, because of your, your background and your culture. How much of it do you think is fear of those types of services because we, you know, for for good reason, didn't trust <laughs> a lot of those as back in the day called a medicine men back in the day when they made the house calls, you know. Like right. how much of it do you think is that? And then I wanted to also comment on, well, let me do that first, comment on the, the fact that, that we as the blacks, Hispanics, you know, probably are fall into this same um, category, don't receive, you know, quality services. One of the things that I had seen an article about which really bugged me out, and this was a press release from January 1st of 2008, so this just goes to show you how, you know, it really has not changed. And one of the things that it said was that blacks and Hispanics who go to the hospital emergency departments in pain are significantly less likely than whites to get pain-relieving drugs. And this was wow. a study that was founded by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. So I'm bugging out because basically you're saying I'm going to walk into the emergency room and I'm in pain and you're not going to give me the same drug that you would give, you know, to someone else. And one of the really good quotes in there that was by Carolyn Clancy, she's a doctor, um, and she said that the study that they did provided a particularly compelling reminder that treatment disparities persist and still persist among racial and ethnic groups. And I would have never known that. So now, you know, I'm feeling away because I'm like, if I come in here with my leg all broken up or whatever, or I'm bleeding, you're just going to do what you got to do to stop the bleeding. But why are you not doing And I don't want to put everybody in the same bucket and say that all hospitals do this, but I can guarantee you it's probably more those ones in the get. You know what I'm saying? Yes, mm-hmm. I do. Well, you know, and I, I, I really was just taking a look and just trying to see if there was some kind of comparison. You know, I'm always on, on the email and on the computer while we're on our call. But I was trying to see if there was a comparison of <clears throat> healthcare costs, and there isn't, you know, one document that I'm finding that really, you know, I want to find. I'm sure something's out there if you guys know about it. Email us, give us a call, whatever you can to let us know where this is. But I'd love to see the different healthcare providers and what their costs are and things like that. Now, again, from personal experience, I know that it is hell of expensive <laughs> if you are if you do not have a good job mm-hmm. and your employer does not provide health care for you at at a minimal cost. Obviously, for those of you out there who, you know, have jobs that you that, that health care is provided, you may pay anywhere from five to let's say fifteen dollars per paycheck for your health care. There are some companies who that's so many different things are included and you may pay zero dollars or, you know, three dollars per paycheck, which is affordable. You go and you pay a fifteen, a ten to fifteen dollar copay you may be charged for certain services that aren't covered under your health care plan. But if you do not have a job where health care is covered, one thing I did read was for someone who has either gone bankrupt or is unemployed, health care costs can, can go up to about $12,000 out of pocket annually. Now, wow. for someone who, that's a lot of money. I mean, does yeah. any do, do any of you two, anybody out there have $12,000 just sitting in the bank that you can write a check to nah. your health care provider? <laughs> I wish I, I did, mean, but I don't. Exactly. So, that I mean, just that number alone shows you how expensive it can be if you aren't covered by someone. 
And unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there who are self-employed, whether it be you're talking about people who are realtors, brokers. I mean, even though they sound like they should, they're self-employed, people who own their own companies. All these different things, they are companies that may not provide health care, and you're off to get it yourself. Now, from my personal experience in doing research, I was going to, there was someone, a friend of mine who had this really good health care. I'm like, oh, you're a freelancer too. Like, where do you get it from? She was paying $500 a month for wow. basic insurance, for basic medical and dental. And, and that was a plan? They call that a plan? It was a plan. <laughs> And it was through some type of, like, union, freelancer's union, whatever it is. And, oh, and it right, was, right. Which was, and I went through that as well, but it was just ridiculous. And so I understand. It's, it's like <laughs> car insurance. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. but the only difference is they mandate. You know, most states mandate right. car insurance, so there's a fine or a penalty. But it's peace of mind. No, no one wants to spend $12,000, but guess what? If today I walk out my house uninsured, no health insurance, and I get hit by a car, the bottom line is an ambulance is going to pick me up, they're going to mm-hmm. take me, and in a life or death situation, they're going to treat me, okay? Right. Regardless of, you know, I mean, there have been incidents where we've seen where people have been turned away and that type of stuff. I think a lot of that's been corrected, but I'm going to be treated, I'm going to be cured, but at the end of the day, now that I'm healthy, I'm out of ICU, I can breathe again. It's like, okay, <laughs> you know how I can breathe. You it's know. all good. Well, like, it's not going to happen know. again. To repair all of this, it costs this, but I mean, but and then here where we segue because this is where our government plays a huge part because not for nothing, I've seen, you know, and being in corporate America, and I've been in, in the hospitality industry, where I see the increased cost. Well, the employer, mm-hmm. being from the other side of the fence, well, I'm handling the finances, you know, and here we are rolling out new health care plans, at, at, you know, during open enrollment, and, you know, all of the associates are mad, the, the prices are going up. But it's because the cost of the employer is going up, you know. Right. How much of it can they afford to cover, you know, to how much can they consume and still uh, allow it to be affordable? Because the goal is they want all of their employees to take advantage of the benefit and to be enrolled in the plan. But a lot of people won't because why? They're like, I can't afford it. Right. Now, you see, I, before you segue into the whole, into the, the politics behind it and our, and our government, I need to point out something that you said, that let's, let's just be really honest, you guys. There are a lot of people who they don't have a problem economically. Mm-hmm. They, it's not that they can't afford, and we're talking about African Americans. It's not with, that we can't afford health care. It's that it's a choice. We have decided to spend our money elsewhere because either we don't find it important, we weren't raised to think of that, or something. I don't know what it is about the African American community. It is just not as our health is not as important to us, and maybe it's what you said, Athea, like we have these home remedies thinking that we know our body better better than anyone else, Mm -hmm. even though we are affected by disease more so, and mainly black men, than Caucasians or other ethnicities. Now, you said something, Athea, that was crazy. You said car insurance. (laughs) Now, (laughs) I bet you if we did a poll, now let's really think about this. If we did a poll on how many African Americans own or rent, or lease, or whatever it is, a car that they have to not rent. That's probably not renting a car um, with insurance on it. You know, but if they 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 own a car or paying on a car that they have to have insurance in order to. Now, there are some people driving around without, but I guarantee that the number of people, people there are a lot more African Americans who own cars and pay for car insurance than for their health. And what it's really saying, let's look at this, people. 
you're really saying that it's more important to me to drive my car and be insured in case I get into an accident than it is to take care of my body, my heart, my prostate, my, my mind, whatever it is, my blood. And that's, that's crazy. And when you said that, I'm sitting here like, damn, I can't, I can't even tell you when I didn't have insurance. Oh, I had a car, and I was paying car insurance. <laughs> yeah, almost that. I mean, and I believe it's kind of just like people who don't want to know, and, I, and this is the scariest, dumbest thing to me, people who don't want to know if they're infected with HIV. And we've talked about HIV and AIDS on the show before, and, you know, that just is crazy to me that you would not want to know something like that. I mean, everybody, well, I won't say everybody, but many people have been in sketchy situations and wasn't really sure about that person. I mean, it's not like you could tell from looking at the outside of somebody, you know, their outward appearance to know. But, like, you know, Athea's pointed it out, I've pointed it out, like, the PDs get their test in, and not because we, you know, feel like we've just done so much running around that we need to worry about it, but, you know, because things lie dormant for so long, especially with HIV and AIDS, they don't know enough about it, you know, so we definitely make sure that we're getting tested, but that is the biggest thing I believe in when you mention black men, Shannon G. I believe that that's one of the reasons why they don't go, because they are afraid. And I've had dudes tell me, I'm not going because they just going to find something wrong with me. Nah, dude, they didn't find it. It was there. <laughs> well, and also, I mean, anyone who knows about the test, you know, in order to check your prostate, it's really, I mean, it's a, a painful thing. It's not it. It's painful. I mean, you know, I what what man? I mean, come on now, ladies, ladies out there. Manly man, gonna get mammograms. But, Hold on. But now. I'm saying, go. I'm saying, going to a gynecologist. But a manly man don't want that going up in his bootay. Exactly. But we maybe because we're women, we're used to it. We we have to go to the gynecologist. We're constantly getting checkups and you know and checking things out. African well, men. That is not really what they want to do. They don't want to go and get a physical and have some man or some woman, you know, checking on their balls and sticking their fingers. And, and I mean, and that's, <laughs> even though it sounds crazy, that's what literally is happening, right? Call, I mean, right. that's usually that's usually what's happening. <laughs> but it's the same way. I mean, do we enjoy spreading eagle and having this very cold metal yeah, thing go inside us and wind us open? No, Absolutely like not. That. At the same time, I would much rather know that everything inside of me is, is taken care of and healthy than go my entire life like, girl, I'm not having nobody stick no metal rod in me and end up with a green rash inside you, Chay And what's crazy, Shannon, is that we actually have no problem. I'm glad you brought it up, but it seems like as women we have no problem going to the gynecologist. I mean, we kind of just know it as a thing that we have to do. We don't necessarily like it, like you said, but we know it as a thing we have to do. But then also in, in my research, I found that black women with breast cancer have a decreased five-year survival rate in comparison with white women. And they said mm -hmm. that it was possibly because of the less frequent use of the mammography getting a mammogram, as Athea pointed out. And, and the reason why they said is because um, older, among older women, uh, mammography is used less often for blacks than for whites, more frequently with whites because a mammography is generally associated with more visits to a primary care physician. So if right. you think about it in the way that, okay, i got to pay that copay every time I go, I'm not trying to go every time something is freaking wrong with me. Like, I'm a, as Athea said, I'm going to get my self-remedy on because this worked last time and I bought this and this and that over the counter, and then I did this and it worked out. Right. So 
you know, I also think, and not to just bash doctors in general, I think that they are, they do more things for those people who feel like or who make it known that they're more in tune with their bodies. You know what I mean? Because Shannon G and I have talked about this a number of times. If something ain't right, if you feel like something ain't right, you tell your doctor something ain't right, and they be like, no, girl, you good. Mm-mm. Keep well, I'm going to share issues. a personal story, okay? And um, it's basically, it, it, that is correct. And me being one with myself. Um, Oh, um, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, explain but, exactly how you be one with yourself right now. Oh, kind of like you know we all you know. She fiddles around in there a lot. Yeah, right. yes. So Charlotte yes. can never. She never looked. You know. Well, <laughs> girl, I look every day. Okay. Ooh. Because I'm gonna be the first one to tell she you. She does a lot of right. looking, listeners. All the <laughs> time. You got mm-hmm. to know what's down there. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This is speaking from a yes, woman. Yes, and if you guys want to tell her about the looking, hit us up at fan mail. Calls online. But no, I will not send you a snapshot. So don't ask, okay? I'm putting that out there early. That is but scary. You have to at times. You're correct, and and but it gets bigger, again. You know because. A lot of the times, the doctors are not going to pursue because we are characterized. Now, one thing I want to point out is we as women, it, it's a requirement that you have an annual, an annual exam, bottom line. I don't know for a fact, and, you know, if, correct me, but I don't think it's a requirement. that men, I mean, everybody should get an annual physical, but mm-hmm. I don't know if the men, like, we have to get a, an actual pap smear done, which right. is where they're going to actually check our insides. And you should, but we should also go to, uh, you know, a, um, internal medicine doctor where they can do, you know, an annual um, physical to check your blood, to check all those other Which areas. Which we don't normally do, especially right. as women. Right. I, I can I can be honest. I've gotten, I got a physical a year and a half ago, but I'm, I, I do have my annual exams and have been very religious on making sure that I take care of that. And that's because, you know, basically a pap is to check for cancerous cells that can develop, that can lead to cancer. So they want to catch it early. So they do that. But I remember a situation where I pretty much had to press my doctor, you know, because she came up with, you know, again, medicine is a practice, and I want people to really understand that. So one person might be a little bit more versed in it than another person, a little bit more experienced, have a little bit more knowledge. They were exposed to right. more medical journals, you know. So it's like they're giving you their diagnosis based on what you have given them. But, you know, kind of like, okay, all the house watchers, you know. If you've ever watched the episode of House, he's taking the symptoms, and they're drilling their doctors to think, 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 run it through this, check this, test that, even mm-hmm. Grey's Anatomy. They want right. you to go further and think. But a lot of and they're wrong a lot of times. Money. Even Grey's Anatomy, you've watched it where they didn't run certain tests because it was like, no, he came in with a regular stomachache routine. Just do a regular this, that, that, blah, blah, blah. It turned out it was something more severe, but they don't want that because it's cost. Okay, and if they run all these tests, this is when you're going to go in. You went in with a stomach ache and you walked out with a $12,000 bill, and now you're mad, but, you know, you left undiagnosed. So there's a lot of different caveats to this whole situation, but I have to press my doctor in my situation mm-hmm. because, you know, I had an issue, and I had to press my doctor, and I was like, well, no. You know, and I was like, what are my other options? Like, I really kept saying, okay, well, what about this? What about this? Until it got to the point where, okay, now let me choose, you know? Right. Give me all of the facts. Tell me A, B, and C, and you give me the pros and the cons of each one, and then I'm going to make the decision where I want you to go next with it, right. you know? But I could have taken A, which was just like, okay, well, it's okay. you're fine. You're still young. 
you're healthy. No, but I probed them to continue on, and I wanted to take further tests. And when they did, I had a discovery that I could have gone, you know, the next five years of my life not knowing, you know, and I was able to correct the situation early, you know, as opposed to, you know, 10 years from now when it's more severe and can cause me, you know, much more distress. Yeah. Well, from from someone who is has gone from not having insurance and not being able to really utilize that to having health insurance and really trying to go on a, a more regular basis, you know, being in my let's say early to mid thirties, <coughs> I just I, <coughs> I just <laughs> you know being being twenty five that I am under the bus with you. <laughs> right, being being the youngest one on this call tonight, um, mm-hmm. I <laughs> no, but really, I mm-hmm. I need to urge urge our listeners. You know, it's I I'm so for healthy living and and eating well and and really taking care of yourself and feeling like, listen, I live a good life. I eat well. I exercise. I don't have any 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 history in my family, but that is very far few and in between. There are people who have died of cancer, heart attacks, all types of diseases who were healthy mm-hmm. and eating well and exercising on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. There are diseases that can infect and affect people, you know, affect people in ways that you just don't ever believe is, is going to happen because of your lifestyle. And, you know, a lot of times, hey, you may be a, a person who smokes 10 packs of cigarettes a, a week and never get cancer. And there may be someone who has never smoked a pack of cigarettes in their life and ends up getting it. I mean, so it's really one of those things where it's, it's a dime a dozen. You never know what's going to happen. I need to urge our listeners, not just African-Americans, but more so African-Americans because of the percentages of, of African-Americans who are much greater who don't actually have health insurance, try to really make that a part of your life. It is so important, even for someone like I'd like to bring my father as, a, as an example. If you can't think about yourself, think about those who love you and doing this for those people who love you and don't want to lose you. You guys know how close I am to my father. And if he he is, you know, he eats well, he's given up pork and beef many, many, many years ago. He takes care of himself. He exercises. I mean, is a very healthy man in his, in his early 60s. But had some issues where if he wouldn't have gotten his regular physicals, and if they wouldn't have found something that may have affected his prostate, his, a friend of his had the exact same problem, was healthy on month number one, died two months later because he wasn't going regularly and caught it too late. Wow. Luckily, because my father was going actively and, and was constantly going to get checkups, because he's older and the older you get, the more you need to go. You know, right. if, you're, if, you're, if re, you reach 35 and you're African-American male, it's about time to go get your prostate checked out. If you've, if you've gone to 40 and 45 and never gotten anything checked out, just go and get it checked out. There are even some, you know, companies and institutions and schools that actually have, like, you know, a prostate cancer day, and you can actually go and get tests done without paying all these huge fees. With that said, right. I urge you guys to really go out there and do some research, and if you, if you can afford it, try to cut in other areas because these material things aren't going to mean anything to you if yep. you are not healthy and not able to live. So if your you're car, not breathing, as Athea said. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, I mean, seriously, like all these cars and these big lavish things that we have that are so important to us 
aren't going to mean shit if we aren't healthy enough to actually utilize them. No, nah, definitely not. And, I, and Shannon, I'm glad you brought that up about, you know, our older, you know, our seniors, uh, African-American seniors, um, and that's so weird to call our parents seniors, but <laughs> I guess yeah, they are no, like Let's not call them that. Let's just call them our experienced. Dude, they are getting the senior citizen discount. Stop playing. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I take advantage of it as much as I can. My mama says I don't get a, a senior, I'm senior citizen. Like now, you know, don't don't ask a woman her age, but now you're talking about temperature. Right. Off? Oh, hello. Exactly. I'm a, I'm senior, a senior citizen. <laughs> Let me get that. What age is that start? I thought it was 65. Is it 60? I'm some 56 or something, isn't it? Is it? For some people citizen? can get a discount when you're like 55, 56, I believe. Wow. Yeah. Some people. Well, okay, so what were you saying say, about our senior folks? I was going to say that in, an, in some other research that I had found from last year, um, basically they were saying that African Americans are less likely than um, Caucasians to receive end-of-life care from a hospice program for any disease other than cancer. And cancer, I feel like, you know, we we – We'll let our people go to, you know, a hospice program, a hospice center or, you know, whatever, adult care center um, mm-hmm. for cancer because we don't really know what to do about it. But the whole goal of, of hospice care is to make terminally ill patients comfortable at the end of their life and offer them treatment for pain and other, you know, physical and psychological symptoms. But historically, black Americans have been less likely to enter these types of programs. And I think that's also a cultural thing, because if you think about it, you always be like, you know, your great-grandmama said, don't put me in no home, baby. When I get old, don't put me in the home, because they ain't going to treat me right, and, you know, blah, 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 whatever. So we don't take advantage of those types of things. And it was just really interesting to see that they, you know, had had done research about that to kind of see why that happens. Right. Well, and, and I, I think wish, that's what it is. <laughs> probably so. And I, it I goes back to that trust issue. I'm sure it goes back to the trust issue. I mean, everything is. We've 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 had shows before talking about, you know, the way our, our kids were raised and and African American communities and you know and just I mean so many different things and it seems like everything really goes back to just the state of African Americans from slavery days and and how we still like on the on the father topic how we have lost the shackles off of our ankles and our wrists but we now have shackles in our minds and right. and you know this the community and the the media and so many things have really just made african americans out to be less than positive like the <laughs> so negative it's like i mean for for instance you guys know i recently got two cats and i had stereotypes against the cats because they were black and I realized, like, damn, even in the in, even in the cat world, <laughs> you know, black cats, black cats don't get nowhere. You know, I'm sitting here like, Poor and I, yeah, I don't even have any problems with black people, but I didn't. I had a problem with black cats, and I'm like, damn, why? Why did I? It was because they were black, you know, and you expect they're gonna be like cop killing up in your house or something. Like, what's really going on? But whatever it is, it just seems like African Americans, for some reason have not been able to lose whatever this, this you know, the mentality is. And, and, you know, maybe it's even a deeper-rooted issue that we don't think highly enough of ourselves. And I'm sure there are some people out there like, anyway, I love myself. Like, you know, I don't know what she's right. talking about. But right. it's not anything that you would recognize. Like, I mean, obviously the three of us, as well as Danielle, who's on vacay right now, are confident as, as, as far. We are confident. But are there some deeper-rooted issues that we don't even realize? that come from just 
years and years and years and years and years of being discriminated against and being looked at as a lesser of the, you know, the races, you know, being treated with disrespect, being disregard. just because of the color of our skin, disregard, exactly, right. being given, that, you know, worse health care because we're African-Americans, paid less salaries because we're African-Americans. And that being so deep-rooted is kind of like... It's hard. It's, 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 it's definitely hard to are. break out of, you know, and I think it's, it's up to us as this generation to kind of push along the next generation because, I, I mean, if you guys know, T-Strong has a very... Um, strong <laughs> desire to keep her teeth as she gets old. <laughs> right. I have this thing that I, I've had nightmares, literally, that I have woken up with no teeth. Like, I don't know what it is with me and my teeth. Maybe because I was a braces child. I have no idea. But that is such a huge thing to me. And um, back in probably, like, 93, was my first time ever going to Newark, New Jersey. And for those people in the bricks, love y'all to death, but it is mad people downtown Newark that ain't got no teeth. And I was like, what is going on? Why is everybody toothless? <laughs> and I think it's an inner city thing because if you, and, and Shana G, you can attest to this, even if mm-hmm. you have health insurance, dental is some expensive Ooh. crap. Sometimes Listen. people leave dental off because you just cannot, you simply cannot afford to have it. I'm paying $3,400. Right, right now, and then one companies two. don't pay 100% of it. They'll only nope. pay 50%, then you got to pay the other 50 How much is a root canal? Because you probably Dental know. Dental is rough. Oh, I do know. I mean, that's, that's one of the problems I'm still having from that screwed-up root canal from NYU School of Dental to fix a, a, a root canal that was destroyed that was only about $350 back mm-hmm. then because I was going to the NYU School of Dental has now cost me probably up to about $6,000 just getting that's it like – fixed and, you know, and redone. I mean, just it's ridiculous. And still don't even have an implant in place, which that's, you know, the 3400 I was talking about. Right. I literally had to get financing for a tooth you that I'm paying monthly on. You had to get financing on. to get your tooth fixed? Yeah. That because, means I mean, that who, was serious. <laughs> what I mean, yes, I because my wisdom teeth extraction. My wisdom teeth getting removed. I pulled all four. It was financed. Oh, oh yeah. It was on a payment plan all day. That is and crazy. and and let's let's be for real. Like we we talked about healthcare, let's talk about teeth for a minute, because mm. you know. And I'm I'm gonna be honest with you, you know, not putting you people can't not have there, a jacked up smile. You no, know, no, but I'm I'm being real. And let's all right. First and foremost, yes, dental insurance. If people had to choose, and they're like, okay, which is more important, health insurance to them is probably more important because having both is very expensive. Just like you said, T, even if you have, even if it's covered with your job, they it's don't pay still hell of expensive. They don't right. pay for everything. And if you get the, you know, the full coverage or the, the, the top, top plan, you usually have to be at your company for more than a year to even be able to get that plan. And on top of that, it still doesn't cover everything. You're still paying right. you know, 40 to 60% out of your pocket. With that said, even though I had a negative experience, I have friends and family members of mine who have gone to different, you know, school, dental schools to get their work done. There are different ways. There are also companies, and I think there is something, it may even be like 1-800-DENTIST or, you know, Go Smile, whatever it is. There is something that I see in the, in the subways here in New York that has a location in, the Brook, in Brooklyn, the Bronx, and, and the city where they help people who don't have insurance. And they are this, you know, this huge, humongous company that is just about having great smiles and they help people who don't have insurance who are 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 lower salaries they either put you on payment plans have you do a monthly payment plan kind of thing financing 
and also reduced rates. I guarantee that this is in every state or every larger state across yeah. the U.S. They have On top of that, you just got to look for them. Exactly. So I'm saying do your research. Don't just think that you can't afford it and let it go. Because let's talk about teeth. I know a whole bunch of people. I'm talking about well-educated, making decent money, successful people who have never gone to the dentist and whose mouths are, and I'm going to say jacked up just for the sake of kind of like, okay, either, yeah, you know, and y'all know that like my smile is humongous and I'm not 100% happy with it right now, but I'm working to get everything taken care of. There are some people who just don't care, have teeth missing, have, you know, problems all over the place and never get it taken care of. And again, it's not only those who can't afford it, it's just not first of mind. It's just they, for some reason, I don't know what it is about our teeth. We don't take care of our teeth like we should. Mm-hmm. And that is, re- it's, it's a problem. Because like you said, T, if you don't take care of them, they ain't going to stick with you for your, <laughs> for your right, entire uh, life. Not at all. My dentist used to tell me all the time about flossing. And that's a big thing that people don't do. Mm-hmm. They just brush their teeth or whatever. And I'm such a floss person because my dentist, and he only had to say this to me once. He said, girl, don't floss. Only floss the ones you want to keep. Mm-hmm. You don't want to keep them, don't floss them. It's all good. I was like, okay, for real, I'm trying to keep all of mine, so I'm going to floss them. Well, but it's I mean, really as simple as that. And the same concept goes. I mean, the bottom line, even for the health care, um, just like dentistry, it's preventative. And most plans, you know, even in dental, as expensive as they are, expensive as they are, <laughs> they, um, the preventative part of it is least expensive. So right. a lot of dental plans is 100% for preventative, meaning your annual cleanings, which not annual, every six months. Twice, a, a, year. twice a year. Every six mm-hmm. months. Right, to get your teeth clean. And and most plans will allow for that to be 100% taken care of. Some of them will have a small copay, But that's where you're going to get your highest percentage. And the bottom line is if you utilize that, yeah. your, right. your, end, your end results are not going to be as high because you're going to catch a lot of these things early, okay? The, he is talking about me pretty much. Right. The small cavity <laughs> that was like a little pencil <laughs> drop on your tooth, a little bit of decay that could have been corrected with a mm-hmm. little bit of filling of enamel has now mm-hmm. turned into, you know, a big grind hole. Canal. But you got to so, use a toothpick to get the stuff out of Danielle, right. who's and not here. But we putting her I'm under the bus anyway. <laughs> right. For our health care, it's the same <laughs> thing. Get your physical exam, guys. Listen, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, really, you know, all jokes aside, we've laughed, we were serious. But, Very you know, true. for all of our listeners out there, annual physicals, it's a necessity. Get it done. You know, get a physical, get an annual checkup. Because the object is nobody wants, well, I don't know, some people do, but the majority of people, nobody wants to die early. You would like to live a long, extensive life and, right. you know, see your children, see your grandchildren, or just, just allow Great yourself to go, through the stages, mm-hmm. to go through the stages of life. So the bottom mm-hmm. line is the only way you'll be able to catch something early, to be able to correct it early, is by getting checked every year. And Very don't true. be comfortable with just one doctor. Honestly, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a doctor hopper, but I'm going to say that if you're not comfortable with a doctor and you don't feel that you're getting the care and the attention that you should and they're not going above and beyond and offering you and providing you options, change right. them. You are not mm-hmm. stuck or mandated to stay with any one doctor. So yes, that's like you wouldn't else. go, y'all ladies wouldn't go out there and get your hair done by somebody and be like, well, I'm going to just keep going back to Jenny even and though she, she got my sides all broken time. off. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, right. 
So And you're well, right. I mean, we've talked about car insurance. We've talked about, you know, T just not talking about the whole we, we take care of so many other things. We will go get our nails done on a weekly basis. We will go yeah. get our hair done like on a weekly, monthly basis. We will get our perm. We will get the, we will get it tight. We will make sure our cars are washed. We will make sure our insurance is good. We will make sure all that stuff is, is taken care of. We will go put a, a down payment on something on a coat or a bag and lay away that biatch and pay on it for the next five months until you can actually get it out. I mean, exactly. literally, we have, to, we have to start prioritizing our, you know, our, our lives. And understand, like, again, all of these things sound great, but the fact of the matter is these things are not going to be important to you if you are not healthy and cannot actually enjoy them, yes. plain and simple. And we plain can't blame simple. everything on not knowing or things being too expensive, which kind of segues into the whole political aspect of it. And I, I kind of try to find some information about the front run- runners for the 08 um, election with regard to what they think about or what their um, what their pledge, I guess, quote unquote, pledge is with regard to health care insurance. I'm just going to read a couple of them. Um, Hillary Clinton basically believes that um, she, well, she would require everyone to have health insurance subsidized by employers and the government and pay for it by rolling back tax cuts for households that earn more than $250,000 a year. Obama is kind of in that same vein. He um, requires that all children have health insurance and pay for it <clears throat> by rolling back President Bush's tax cuts for households that earn over 250. So that's you know two of the the front runners in the Democratic <clears throat> on the Democratic side, and then Giuliani opposes health care mandate. He doesn't want to make a mandate out of it. Um, he wants to make insurance affordable, uh, quote unquote affordable. I don't know what that means through mm-hmm. tax deductions and. Um, he says that a free market would bring down the cost. And then John McCain has pledged affordable health care for every American without a mandate. So there's two people that don't believe in the mandate, and he says that universal health care is possible without, without a tax increase. And I don't know where he's getting the money from, but <laughs> to me, and, you know, and I don't know that much about politics, but it seems like everything comes from a tax. Like that's how you mm-hmm. free up the money. You know, you either cut something off, so somebody can't have something, or you tax people for it, one or the other. That's where that money comes from, especially for those people that need the assistance. And even those who, you know, and I'm not talking about welfare because we just sat here and talked about how, you know, all of us at one point in time have needed to, you know, um, needed to take care of a medical bill or a dental bill or whatever because we didn't have that particular coverage. And we are by no means, like, you know, in that poverty level. So, (laughs) you know, just to... To kind of understand what what everybody's saying with regard to that, I mean, I feel like those incomes that are those households that are making over two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you would think that they would be able to afford it. But I mean, you know, hey, that's the same. Well, they do if they can't afford it. It's just about like Shannon G said, where you putting your priorities, mm-hmm. you know? So giving them the tax cut probably isn't the best thing, and you know, taking that away might be, you know, just kind of freeing up some, some funding for other people that need it. Because right. all these other countries have free health care. What is going on? Right. And they're a lot healthier. And this is a good time also for our listeners to understand, to take a look at the proposals that each of these candidates are, you know, presenting to you in regard to the different plans. And, you know, since we're talking about health care, you know, take a look at the health care plan and, and use these factors as deciding factors when you're choosing, you know, 
who you want to get out and vote for. My voting happened to have been yesterday, um, so, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I'm going to formally say, like Michael Basin has announced who he endorses, and I am a, endorsing Obama for president. Okay? As so, am I. Right. So. <laughs> this does not represent all of the paper dolls, but Athea B is endorsing Obama for, for presidency, and that's a, and well, so strong. So, and, and, and that's Shannon G. hasn't decided yet. Right. Which is fine. There's lots of undecided. But anyway, ladies, we're also coming close to the end of our show. T strong, T strong, CBC rule of the week. I don't have no nothing, no sound effects. <laughs> we can do the um the drum roll with the lips. <gasps> <laughs> that was pretty good. I like that. Thank you. Actually, hmm. so, I'll do it. I'll do it on your lip drum roll. <laughs> exactly. I'll do it on. I'll do it on your neck later. Oh wow! Oh, how you going? Uh -huh. To the left. <laughs> now, back now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Keep us in check, girl. Keep us in okay. check. Okay. Uh huh. So this week's CBC rule of the week: You can't always control the circumstances that life throws your way, but you can control how well you take care of yourself. If you take proper care of your body, mind, and soul, you can keep yourself in better shape to handle life in general. Basic self-care helps keep you functioning well and ready for life's changes. So let's be proactive people, not reactive. Oh, very mm -hmm. nice. Very nice. Favorite term. Proactive, not reactive. Like it a lot. Yes. And I say mm -hmm. that a lot. I think that was part of another CBC rule. But, I mean, I just really believe that that's the case in almost every freaking scenario. If you're proactive, yeah. you really don't have to be reactive to in life. as much. I mean, it you know, right. things happen with life, but right. still. The risks so, aren't as great. Exactly. So I guess we are ready to wrap up for this evening, and I want to thank all of our listeners for listening in. If you have any comments, any questions, anything for the doll, hit us up and contact us at thepaperdollsonline.com. You've been listening to Reality Radio at its finest, literally. Remember, the minute you settle for less than you deserve, you get even less than you settle for. Now let's get this done.